Welcome to another round. The podcast gives you an insight into brewing. My name is Yunidar, and uh, with me from the northwest of England, uh, more specifically Cumbria, Tim Bloomer, director of Fell uh, Brewery. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Nice to be here. So uh, we talked a little bit before we get uh, we got started about uh, about everything uh, that's going on at the moment. You know, we are recording in a very busy time in, in December, but. Uh, I want to take it all the way back uh, to to 2013, uh, and maybe even a little bit uh, a little bit earlier than that. Maybe you can can um, tell us a little bit about how did uh, Fell Brewery start? Um, yeah, so um, Fell Brewery is the product of me and my best mate, the other director. And um, I was at university. I was studying chemical engineering um, at a time when Lehman Brothers had just collapsed and uh, graduate recruitment was in a terrible state and the world seemed like it was collapsing. And me and a couple of mates while we were at uni sort of got ever so slightly into what was the early beginnings of UK craft beer Mm. um, buying expensive imports of US craft stuff. And Brewdog was just kicking off. I was at uni in Edinburgh. So um, we were getting a little bit of even like when Brewdog used to deliver cask locally, that kind of stuff. A few other little bits and pieces. So I sort of got into craft beer a little bit at uni. And then, I mean, to be frank and honest, I tried having a proper job after I graduated. Yeah. I did manage to find something <laughs> despite the desperate graduate recruitment. Um, but it really didn't suit me. I lasted less than a year yeah. <laughs> working in oil and gas. And um, then, yeah, my my best mate um, from back home in Cumbria, um, I had started to just almost kid myself by saying, I'm going to jack this in and start a brewery. He turned around and said, yeah, let's do it. I'll do it with you. And that was kind of how it all began. Yeah. And um, we were we were 23, 22, 23, <laughs> naive, dumb, stupid. And um, it has been, and yeah, the first two or three years particularly were characterized, if I'm honest, by two naive lads coming to terms with how <laughs> big this thing that they'd taken on and how much harder it was going to be than they perhaps thought it was. Yeah. Um, but here we are 10 years later um, and it has started to come together a little bit and calm down a little bit and all that sort of thing. But it's certainly been a lot of fun. I, I think that's that's uh, quite interesting because uh, I've been working with in, uh, import business for for years and years, and uh, one of the breweries I work with actually have the proper job, uh, Saint Austell out of, of out of Cornwall, and I remember this was um, yeah around two thousand and ten. Um, I was at the first um, Great British Beer Festival, um, my first Great British Beer Festival at least, uh, and I was a little bit surprised of how. Um, little developed the craft beer scene in the uk was and then I, I won't say like overnight things changed but the fact is that the uk is now uh, one of the leading craft beer countries in europe uh really inspiring a lot of breweries outside of their their own borders um and you started what seemed to be like the prime time for it exactly no i mean absolutely we sort of look back on that quite a lot i mean um yeah, I, so it was, yeah, two, 2009, 2010 when I first started to encounter it a little bit. And um, yeah, I think I went to my first GBBF in 2010 as well. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, um, and then 
sort of decided to do fell and then I went back and I did a master's in brewing science at Harriet Watt University in Edinburgh and it really did feel like it was that summer that was the summer that was 2012 that was when things really did seem to just start to kick off you had breweries like Magic Rock you had breweries like the Colonel people were running around Edinburgh like Mm. trying to find those like it was almost you know like there was such incredible hype and excitement around it and um so yeah we were we really were nowhere before then yeah um but then it it really did explode and so yeah we've kind of been all the way through it um in that sort of sense and so yeah i mean we thought it would be as easy as it had been for those guys <laughs> to to fell but the reality was we were yeah two 20 22 year olds with extremely limited funds extraordinarily limited experience and um it was harder than we thought it would be <laughs> it sounds like yeah, it sounds like a perfect time to start but of course uh that was the time where uh, a lot of other uh places started uh, uh as well a lot of of well-known brands as you you mentioned uh, but but you're here Almost ten, uh, ten years um, of age. Uh, in just a few months, uh, March, from uh, what I could uh, could understand, uh, and now not only uh, a brewery but also uh, your own bars as well. This is something that I, I find very particular to the UK uh, scene. Goes back years and years and years and years with breweries owning their own uh, pubs, their own bars. Um, how? Uh, what was the, your your logic in in going there? Because you mentioned to me that uh, some of the the biggest volumes you have is to your own places. Absolutely, yeah. We we sell about forty percent of the beer that we brew, um, either to our own bars or direct to retail through e commerce, that sort of thing. And mm. That does make things um, an awful lot more stable. I mean, in terms of making the decision as to why to do it probably does come back to the roots that we found ourselves in so um we're here in cumbria in the lake district in northwest england and um back in kind of yeah when we were like three or four years in we were really really still just struggling to get local people and particularly local landlords and things like that to just understand what we were talking about when we were talking about craft beer and doing things a little bit differently and you know taking things more seriously, doing more exciting stuff. We, we were just still really, really struggling with it. We were just getting sort of, why is it more expensive? I don't understand all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And um, so it really came about for the fact that we, we were selling most of our beer back then outside of our immediate local area. Um, we were selling about 80% of our beer to city centers across the Northwest of England. Mm. And um effectively we were kind of like well this is no good and we always saw that there was this big opportunity given the tourist market that Cumbria's always had given mm. the fact that you know as much as it's a little bit disparate there's still a big center of population here we always thought that the day would come when people's eyes would be open to it we just thought it was going to be a little bit more difficult in terms of having to show people and we therefore were like well the obvious thing to do is to start our own bar um our first one was in a town called Kendall where I'm sitting right now sort of uh, yeah population of about 50 60,000 something like that relatively affluent town um but yeah we we opened this tiny little craft beer bar and um that was five and a half years ago and in the beginning there was a lot of I don't quite get what's going on here <laughs> um but then sort of by persevering at it by 
being yeah by being kind of honest about it and being committed to it and you know we've always had people working in our bars who are always very enthusiastic and passionate themselves we really did sort of develop the community that we now have have there and um, effectively it just sort of worked that kind of model so we kind of did it again and then we did it again and um, yeah sort of just before the 2020 pandemic we um, decided to take a plunge and open somewhere in a little bit further field in south of Manchester in Chalton felt extraordinarily brave at the time um, and then the pandemic happened so that kind of really <laughs> ruined its original opening date but yeah. now it's really you know that's really you know sort of buried itself in and, and has become a really really successful little um little bar but um that's gone really really well for us mm. and then yeah and then our latest project which is a much bigger behemoth is um a great big country pub or inn you have to call it really it's got letting bedrooms which mm. is much closer to the brewery and that's us sort of you know thinking that it's time to come full circle and um take modern progressive brewing back to the typical country pub you know mm. we're a rural brewery and um to us that's where it all has to come back full circle and yeah. um so yeah here we are i i think you're what you're describing here is a little bit like uh the evolution of of british uh beer in many ways where you could go from saying that you wanted a pint and you could always know what you, you wanted and you it was either a pint of ale or a pint of lager. And then all of a sudden these crazy things come in and, and evolve the total uh, total beer scene. Of course, the, the, it's just the way it is. In bigger cities, the evolution happens a lot faster than uh, if you're a little bit more rural area. But I, I can imagine, because one of the things that you are focusing a lot on as well is sustainability. And um, it sounds like, to me, it just makes sense to have your own pubs closer to the source and not having to to ship this uh, this beer uh, that far how how has this um focus on local and your own pubs uh, in, in the local area been a, a beneficial thing for the sustainability of of Felbury yeah um well uh, i think it's always been something that i've sort of in many ways had thought must be the case but um you know once sort of the pandemic finally settled down and I got a little bit of time just just focus on the bigger picture of the business and um start to get to grips with some of the bigger things that I've long wanted to get to grips with um I thought this was sort of the start of 2022 I was thinking right you know let's figure out how we're going to become a more sustainable brewery how we're going to achieve net zero all the stuff that the team has always been extremely passionate about doing but i mean as much as it's not a particularly great thing to admit but we've just not never really had properly the time to really get to grips with um but when we decided to do that we started to carbon footprint and all the rest of it and mm -hmm. um it would transpire as as simple as it sounds but um when it comes to working out our carbon footprint the closer that people drink our beer to the source, the better. It makes a massive difference. Mm. It's hugely important. You know, the um, the carbon really starts to um, move around, uh, to, to really starts to increase with transportation costs. It's a huge aspect of it. And um, so kind of, uh, yeah, kind of all, almost by accident, 
you know, we we had got ourselves into this position where we were selling so much of our beer in our sort of local area. Mm. Um, and then, so yeah, in many ways, it's a happy accident that we then proceeded yeah. to realise that there's something really marketable here in the fact that this is absolutely undisputably the greenest way to go about drinking beer. Mm. And the fact that, you know, we can also support our local economy because of course it goes beyond carbon sustainability massively you know, um support our local economy you know support our local communities in all the different ways that we have really returning the favor as to how well we were looked after particularly during the pandemic mm. is something that has, it's just felt like such a natural fit for us that we really Makes have just kind of fallen into it extremely straightforwardly and easily and it has yeah, extremely quickly become something that we're all extremely passionate about, Fell. Mm. Um, but kind of just because we all know it's the right thing to do. And the fact that we are doing it, um, you know, it, it has transpired that we're not doing anything terribly wrong. You know, um, <laughs> at, at the heart of it, there is this new reason for us to go about doing what we're doing. And that has re-energized things really quite nicely for us. Mm. And and you're not afraid to to use uh, new technology to to be able to to do this either. One of the things which I which I saw uh, was that you now on the brew uh, brew house you have um, uh, 96 solar panels, which uh, uh, cuts about half of your energy need and uh, offset about a third of your carbon emission. Um, and it will be uh, <laughs> it would be a little bit fun to ask you. Um, looking back when you started, yeah, two young guys with uh, insufficient amount of money for their dreams, but uh, uh, with a, with a courage and and a drive to create something unique. What are some of the things that you can do um, now in terms of sustainability that you wish you could do back then? Ooh, ooh, it's a very good question. Um... Yeah, I mean, we, we have kind of a blueprint for us to get to where we want to be with um, respect to true net zero in terms of carbon. And um, the reality is absolutely that um, as much as we're confident we can get there, it's going to require a real chunk of investment, mm. um, which was absolutely stuff that we did not have in the <laughs> beginning. You know, do I do I resent the fact that we've been, um, you know, drawing drawing energy from the grid all these years to make beer? No, I don't, you know, it's, um, it is how it is. We've always kind of, yeah, by accident been sort of being relatively sustainable. We distribute virtually all our beer ourselves um, and do the rest of it. Are there things that I could have, that I wish we could have done differently? I think culturally it's always easier to implement this stuff earlier, but at the same time we found it very easy to make that shift Mm. Um, in the company in terms of the culture we have because people can buy into it so straightforwardly. Um, so, no, it's sort of... But I guess you, you're mentioning a little bit uh, using the, the, the power grid there as well, and it's it's not a it's not a, a secret. It's a pretty rough times in terms of uh, any sort of energy in Europe at the moment with the, the current state of affairs and, and whatnot. Uh, and one, one could, I guess, argue that being sustainable with using something like solar panels uh, is something that is, is a economically sound investment, not only for the environment, but also for the economy and the, in the, the business. I mean, totally. I mean, it does now look like, um, 
it does, you know, it, it has now proved to be a really, really tiny investment. Um, it, it's been a reasonably mm. long time in, in the planning, um, but we certainly were making these plans before Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine and, and we really started to see the, the problems that we're having here mm. um, with respect to energy prices. So, um, but yeah, it's it's massive. Um, if we, you know, we, we tied into a price for buying electricity off the grid a number of years ago, for a four-year period, which now, with the benefit of hindsight, was a genius decision. Um, it didn't feel like it at the time, no. but <laughs> it, it can be crippling. You know, I mean, when you're sort of paying, I mean, well, so in I know brewers that are paying thirty-eight pence per kilowatt hours, uh, mm. kilowatt hour at the minute. That's forty something um, euro cents, that kind of stuff. You know, when you're you're using several hundred kilowatt hours per day to make beer, it, it, it can become an enormous cost really, really quickly. And I'm not, yeah, I, I feel desperately sorry for brewers who are really struggling to make those payments at the minute. As I said, we've been really fortunate in that we've tied in. Um, and now obviously we are generating so much energy ourselves, but I mean, I, I suppose it's sort of, it is a little microcosm of, you know, the lessons that Europe needs to learn you know, if we as a brewery can become self-sufficient in our energy requirements, which we have these bold, ambitious plans to become, then this can be a problem that can, you know, no longer bother us moving forward. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's massively expensive to buy energy from the grid at the minute. We're not immune to it. Um, and yeah, these panels do now look like a brilliant investment <laughs> You know, they're going to pay for themselves in something like three and a half years. It is mad yeah. at these sorts of wholesale prices. And as much as it all requires investment, which we are fortunate that we did make these plans a long time ago to be able to access this kind of investment, um, it absolutely is kind of, in my opinion, the future for small independent brewing. Mm. It's to become more energy sustainable as, as you know, individual breweries. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think you're 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 touching on something very important there. It's it's going not only with in terms of power, which is something you can see pretty quick on uh, on the bill, but in in anything that you you do, being more efficient, both in the brewing, in the fermentation, in the cleaning. I mean, everything is uh, is a part of it. Uh, Unfortunately, it's a little bit like you like you mentioned uh, when the the pandemic hit, and uh, the only thing you you have the time and energy for for doing it, it's uh, at that point is just survival. Uh, but uh, just putting off a few uh, a few hours a week just to do, even just like thought processes with a theme uh, like you're uh, you're mentioning, uh, I think it's something that a lot of uh, of breweries can can benefit with both short term but also long term so 10 years uh sustainability is now uh, a bigger focus um but of course uh, the the energy prices is, is um is a part of it all uh, because uh, you're brewing so the question is we have almost not talked about the beers at all but uh being 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 where you are um uh i can assume that you want to have things tasting a little bit more back 10 years ago but not being like crazy different from what the locals were used to so how did you 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 go into the uh the mindset when you started to to build up a portfolio and, and what is it uh, consisting of today yeah um that's very interesting um Funny, we were just talking about that this morning. Um, we sort of, as a brewery, have almost kind of always operated at the slight peripheral of UK craft. Mm. Um, and, you know, given given our local 
community and this, that, and the other, would probably accidentally always brewed slightly lower ABV compared mm. to most UK craft breweries, purely because we have always found it easier to sell. Now, exactly. the reality is, is that I actually think that that's now becoming more of more um, dictated by people making lifestyle decisions as opposed mm. to price, which was always the big thing that um, that affected it before. And, um, you know, we, we make very hoppy beer, but we, you know, we don't do sort of crazy 16, 17, 18 gram per litre kind of stuff. We work very, very hard to get really good results from, um, from the hops that we use. And I mean, the thing that sort of keeps us passionate about as, as brewers right now is kind of really getting a grips with our, with the minutiae of our core range recipes and stuff it's these little one or two percents here and there that are adding to you know these differences and particularly differences when it comes to consistency and all the rest of it given that we're 10 years old given that we've been in the market um for this long given that we've got a lot of very loyal drinkers now um it does make it this more kind of nuanced approach to developing our beers Mm. it's you know a lot of it is about finding little small improvements to make here and there um it's not about sort of throwing the kitchen sink at everything to come up with the most extreme thing about our customers don't really go for that anymore. That is not to say that, you know, that they're not very, very passionate about drinking beer. It's just that, you know, I feel the market is developing to people wanting something that is more consistent, that is Mm. sort of more can fit in with fitting with their lifestyles as opposed to be the lifestyle in and of itself. And in many ways, that suits us down to the ground because, you know, there is more to life than craft brewing. We have always known that. Um, And I think that... As strange as it sounds. (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah, I mean, embracing that is actually something that we're very excited about. It's something Mm. we've kind of accidentally been doing for a while, selling selling this, you know, slightly more reserved beers that slightly, you know, um, appeal to our local market and stuff. But... Mm. um, yeah, we've become pretty good at it, and um, we're certain we're excited about the future of that sort of aspect of things. Mm. Yeah, and I, I've seen, I've done a little bit of research on the on the portfolio. Of course, you have the stables, uh, usually uh, usually um, around four to five percent ABV. Um, of course, my heart gets a little bit uh, warm and fuzzy when I uh, read about uh, Fiel. Uh, which was made with uh, Sigmund Jernes' uh, Kveik. Yes. Uh, so that is uh, funny. We had the, I've, I've jokingly called him the godfather of Kveik. Of course, he is not. But uh, Lars Marius Gossel was on the show a little bit earlier on. But oh, one of the ones that I was really intrigued by was uh, the farm-to-glass beer that you uh, that you have made. Just a little uh, on, uh, on, the, on the end here of the, the podcast. Tell, tell me a little bit about the collaboration and, and development of that beer. Sure. Um, well, that's, yeah, that's been one of my sort of key areas of focus for the last year. Um, here in Cumbria, it's uh, it's an agricultural area. And, um, you know, the landscape and the way that farms interact with that is pivotally important to the place. And uh, I started to, well, I mean, frankly, it, it probably came about by opening our pub just up the road from the brewery. You know, because it's a rural country pub, it started to get frequented by farmers. And uh, I started, you know, striking some conversations with some farmers. And 
frankly, in the UK post-Brexit, there is a huge amount of doom and gloom in the farming community mm. about how desperately awful everything is. And um, I just sat there and thought that, you know, that our local food and drink scene here in Cumbria will never thrive unless they're doing okay themselves. And um, yeah, basically, you know, Cumbria has this um, outward look with its agriculture that there are just a few sheep on some hills, Mm. um, which is actually entirely untrue. There's a really diverse, thriving um, agricultural sector and there's arable farming. Um, There's barley, wheat, oats getting grown. And I uh, started to meet some guys who were growing this kind of stuff. And basically, I was just sort of like, wouldn't it be great if I could make some beer out of it? Um, if I could sort of, you know, hold up one of our beers and sort of say, you know, that the that the, that the, uh, the grains were grown three miles down the road. Mm. And so I started working with a local farmer who was yeah, literally three miles down the road from the brewery, <laughs> grows hundreds and hundreds of tons of all the grains that we need every year. And obviously, at the minute... It's still just shipping it all into the massive globalized supply chain where yeah. it all gets shoved in with everything else. And there's all the concept of provenance and that kind of stuff lost. Um, I was able to buy a small amount of grain off him, a couple of tons. I was able to persuade a local 18th century water mill to um, mill some of that in a sort of quite yeah nicely sustainable way, I suppose. Um, renewable energy out of the 19th century um, and yeah and we made a beer out of it we brewed it with 100% UK hops it's it was a juicy hoppy IPA sort of trying to trying to get everything that we can out of some of the really exciting new growing that's coming out of um, Brookhouse hops and other sort of hop growers here in the UK you know to me it's about the journey to the end point which is UK craft brewing embracing it's locality more mm. and um yeah and and the sustainability that comes with that coming home and um yeah and there's actually if you scratch a little bit beneath the surface there's loads of really really interesting opportunities for mm. breweries to go out embrace their local food and drink sectors more and finding um interesting opportunities to collaborate I think you're you're touching on something that I I can really really appreciate and and uh, recall from previous discussions with uh, Norwegian farmers as well. I think it's a more of a northern uh, European thing, uh, perhaps what you're describing, because we don't have maybe the same uh, uh, pride or uh, in our own uh, products compared to, for instance, France or Italy or uh, whatever. So uh, I find it very interesting and. and uh, and one thing is, of course, the sustainability with sourcing local. The other thing is that you're actually, again, supporting the local community, which I I, I respect that. Of course, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's a it's it's been really exciting. I, you know, um, I haven't been this enthused as a brewer for years now, frankly. Mm. And um, this is something that, as much as it's more. You know, it's a little bit more nuanced. It, it doesn't necessarily really punch its way through in the glass when you're drinking it. The story behind it and the opportunity behind it are so much more interesting from my mm. perspective. And um and yeah, and it's been really, really exciting. And it's been really, really it's it's been really well embraced. You know, the people who've drunk mm. it have had nothing but, you know, praise for it. And it has sort of, yeah, stood out as something a little bit different and we've been very proud of it. 
I think one should not uh, underestimate uh, the the power of uh, local uh, connection because uh, a great beer will come very great if you know that uh, it's only three uh, miles down the road that where the where the grain is from. So uh, I think that uh, that makes the beer even a little bit better. I think. Absolutely, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. All right, Tim. Uh, I will not take uh, any more of your time. I, I really appreciate um, you taking the time to to talk to me, share a little bit of your story. Uh, I've seen. Uh, I've. Uh, I gotta admit, never been to Cumbria, but uh, just by the the stories that you're telling and uh, the pictures I've seen from the area surrounding, I look forward to hopefully be there soon. Maybe stay over at the Royal Oak and uh, and Absolutely. have a few fell uh, fell beers. No. Well. Yeah. Um... Come and find us. It is a beautiful part of the world and um, there is something here for everyone. Well, th- And uh, yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure to speak to you. Likewise. And, uh, yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Tim. Thank you very much, Yo. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for coming with me to Cumbria and uh, for joining me on my talk with Tim from Fell Brewery. Just want to give a quick little shout out to everyone that has given us uh, feedback on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, do feel free to use the email address in the show note. Uh, send us a DM on social media or, you know, just rate the podcast on your podcast app. That also helps a lot. And if you haven't already, we'd really appreciate it if you considered subscribing. Until next time, have fun, drink well, and take care. Thank you.